0: It's okay that they don't know that uh, how to start a saw. That's all right. I, I, you know, I hear people say, well, they don't know what a, a Phillips or a regular screwdriver is. All right. Maybe they never had the opportunity. But if they have the heart to want to learn, that's a totally different story, right? But if they have the desire and the want to do it, that's the kind of person that I want to work with because you can show them anything in the fire services, and you can mold them to the people that they should be or that you want them to be, right, and, and show them the correct way.
1: Excellence is a rarity, but you are not alone. Talk and shop with Outlier Firefighters. All right, welcome to episode five here of Outlier Firefighters podcast. I'm here tonight with Craig Gilsinger, uh, and we're going to be doing some talking and uh, get through some cool topics together tonight. So uh, welcome, Craig. Uh, Thank you very much. You yeah. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know who you are and where you're from?
0: All right. Uh, my name's Craig Gilsinger. I work for the Lincolnshire Everyone's Fire Department. I'm a lieutenant there. Um, I started there when I was an explorer at the age of 16 and worked my way up through being a part-timer and then finally getting hired full-time in 2010. So 16. Man. Yeah. And Mikey Vitale used to drive me to the meetings before I had my license. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So that's going to, yeah. if, if uh,
1: everyone that, when you're listening here, that's going to be one of the things that we're going to talk a lot about, about being young and, 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 and getting it, I mean, Craig starting at 16, that's kind of unheard of uh, nowadays,
0: right? That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, anymore. you know. and to be honest, I don't even know if there's any Explorer posts that are still around, and, and that's what we were involved with. Oh, we got one. That, oh, do you still? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know when we had, I think Waukegan had one, I don't know if they still have theirs or not, but that's really how we got started uh, with Lincolnshire, but I had a good family friend that was a Buffalo Grove firefighter that uh, got me started in high school and said, yeah, you should come check out the Citizens Fire Academy. I didn't really know much about the fire department. I have no family uh, in the fire service um, prior to getting in. The only person I really knew was one of my mom's long-distance friends from the East Coast. That's where I'm was. That's where i from, and um, but I knew nothing about the fire department, so Randy Butler was actually the one that got me started in Buffalo Grove or at the Citizens Fire Academy. That's very cool. So, uh, what what drew you initially, you know, to the fire service? Uh, well, in high school, I my intention was to either be a carpenter or run heavy equipment. That was my what I wanted to do. I wanted to work. I had friends, uh, and, and their older cousins were all in the trade, so that's kind of what brought me to that but when I saw the fire service it just I'm not sure exactly what it was but I just I loved it I thought it was a, a really cool job and something that is not normal you know and and riding there even as a citizen you know the citizens fire can you got to go do ride-alongs and it was like wow you need to do this for a living you know it's great and in fact when I once you go graduate from high school, my counselor said, oh, no, you, you don't want to get the fire service or work in the trades. You'll never, you know, you won't have a good life. And I'm glad I didn't listen because I, I couldn't be anything further from the truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you did you ever take that test where they, they like, take a personality test and they determine what you're going to be? You no, I'll be
0: I, uh, no, but I'll be honest today, I don't know if it was the ACT or whatever you took. My mind was just getting out of school and getting ready to go to work. I I didn't score very well, to be honest with you. Oh, I I'm just wanted you. to go right right to work. Yeah. You know, I I knew that was me. I I didn't go to uh, four year college or anything, or I was ready to go to work.
1: I uh, I think I think it was part of the SAT or ACT, and I I did the whole thing and it came back as locksmith, and that still cracks me <laughs> up to this day <laughs> because I mean, in a way, I'm able to break into things.
0: Sometimes with finesse.
1: In, in a way, could.
0: I'm a locksmith, but... Sometimes, yeah, I <laughs> can't put it back together. Yeah, it was crazy, because I remember there was a kid in my grade. He scored ACT a perfect score twice. He scored a perfect, Man. and I made him take it over again, scored another perfect. And I'm oh. like, how, does that, how can you do that? Yeah,
1: I, I am not that smart. <laughs>
0: Smart in different ways for me. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, you start putting numbers in my head and my brain comes out of my ears. That is, <laughs> that's pretty much... Uh, uh, Chief Lighting's in our chat, and he brought up a great point, and I do want to uh, acknowledge this and, and talk real quick before we get back into our conversation. Uh, we're going to do tonight's show thinking about the two brothers that died in Chicago over the last two days. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, um, One was a partial roof collapse, and then he got stuck, if I remember correctly. And then the other one was up in a high-rise, which actually, my mom told me, my great-grandma lived in that high-rise building for a number of years. uh, uh, Yeah. uh, Tonight, if you don't know about what happened with with those two, uh, I mean, there's enough information out there now. Go read about it. Uh, i mean two in a row in two days is is beyond rough yeah uh yeah. i can't even imagine uh yeah. so tonight we'll 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 be thinking about them right yeah, absolutely uh so Craig back to our, our what we're talking about so when you became an explorer did they teach you about firefighter culture or is that more when you got on the job
0: uh i I would say probably more when we were um, part-time um, as explorers. They, I mean, they certainly showed us what the fire service was about. You know, really no um, EMS, obviously, but uh, we knew that that was part of it. But, you know, we weren't really doing anything because we weren't able to. But we had trainings um, as as explorers. We went down to the fire college, you know, IFSI, the, the cadet explorer fire college. I think is what they called it then, or whatever. But we'd spend a week down there and do the burns, and it was awesome. You know, that was probably really the, the craziest part of it. You know, that made it fun. You oh, know, I like, I did it too. I don't. I uh I was an explorer too. That's how I started. And so there's probably a good chance we crossed paths down there at some point. We might but, have. I w- I
1: think I was 19 or 18 when okay. when I uh I got in late. So my friend Nick, he got hired uh on Antioch at 18. And, okay. um I was a late bloomer.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was a bit yeah. of a
1: procrastinator, so I ended up getting part of the Explorers because it was in between years, and still to this
0: day, that, that week in fire college was still some of the best training I've had. Oh, yeah, you I've stayed had. down in the dorms and mm-hmm. went down to the, the training ground where all the, you know, real firefighters, all the big guys yeah. were, and, you know, it's cool. And, and they got it hot. It was, I mean, yeah, it like, was when fun. I went
1: to the fire academy, after, they were like, all right, it's going to be hot in there, kids, and... I had gone already to fire college, and I remember going into one of the burn rooms, like, standing up, and an instructor's (laughs) whacking me in the helmet, like, get out, it's hot. I'm like, it is?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, the guys that I went through the Explorer program with, we ended up going to part-time. There's still nine of us that are working uh, for Lincolnshire right now, Uh, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, A couple of guys, uh, Round Lake and Libertyville, uh, and I can't think if there was anybody else. Long Grove, but pretty much the core guys that were in there that started it, we were still there and got hired full-time.
1: That's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: I think I only got one buddy from my original uh, Academy group, and we were all explorers the year before. That's on the job still. Yeah. Uh, one's a cop. We don't talk about him. But, you know, okay. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Well, he's in Key West, so shout-out to oh, him. I don't know if you're listening to this, but have fun no. in the sun there, dude.
0: Not a poor guy, yeah.
1: Uh, Chris Adams, also, he's in the chat. He, uh, oh yeah, yeah, he is in here, so he's probably listening.
0: I, so good, yeah. I just saw him. Not, uh, what's well, just yesterday. I got to see him again. Very cool. We That's worked cool. the same day. That's probably be part of my spiel later. But we worked same shift, and uh, I remind me to come back to that. All right, all right, all right. Working with people, you know, on other days or same shift, other firehouses. Um, he says, "Hey." <laughs> If I had the technology I'd say hey back.
1: Uh he can hear you. He just did. Okay. You're, you're good to go. You can tell him whatever you want. You can well you can't gaze into his eyes, but he can look into yours. <laughs> I mean Uh so so culture, history, those kinds of things as you progressed, uh does Lincolnshire uh, uh, did you learn about, let's let's say, like, the general fire service history? So outside of, you know, Lincolnshire,
0: I'm sure. Obviously, yeah. they
1: have their own history and culture, but...
0: Oh, yeah, and I'm going to tread on that one lightly a little bit, okay. I think, because uh, obviously we still have to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, but our fire department, obviously I'm proud to work for the place. I, I love it. It's given me everything that I have, and uh, every opportunity they gave me, I I took and, and ran with it. Um, so... I guess going back to that, I, when I I graduated high school, I went right to the fire academy. If we paid up front for it and passed, they reimbursed us. So that was uh, part. I was a part timer then. Uh, we were started founded in 1940 by paper, but 1941 is what we say. Um, and we started out of a gas station, uh, out of a single garage. We still have our original fire engine. It's 1941. Uh, international and it's pretty cool because we have what little bit of history we have left um, in one of the logbooks from one of the commissioners meetings it says the reason why we got the chassis we have it wasn't the one we wanted but we got it because of wartime so it's kind of cool that you know we have still have the original uh, fire engine we have three firehouses Um so to see all the apparatus we have now and what we've grown to, to being uh, full-time staff, firefighter, paramedics, uh, is, is really neat. And in the 70s, we went full-time, and I still keep in contact with one of the uh, original six guys that got hired, Captain Al Matson. And it's cool when he comes in, we've built a relationship, and I always try to bend his ear on um, you know, the history of our organization and try to get him to write some stuff down and um, more so like for the old antique, um, and he was actually involved with the line of duty death. Uh, we had a rollover, a tanker rolled over, and he was up riding tailboard on that rig and survived. So wow. to really? hear his, you know, his real life experience of that and what, what was going on in those days was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And <laughs> the line of duty death was uh, Chief Palomini, and from what I've been told about him is that he was a... A visionary for our organization and said one day we will be full-time we need good young men to be in this fire department And this place is going to be something in the future and I would say that he's not wrong
1: oh I think I think he was right yeah
0: yeah so uh, but going with the culture I'd say starting as an explorer and a part-timer our culture has always been a lot of training Uh, we've been pretty involved with training Uh, obviously like probably everybody else with COVID that really put the brakes on everything, you know, and we're getting back to that. Um, We shared a training officer with the Deerfield Fire Department, and now uh, Lieutenant Washburn is our our training officer who does it from shift and does a good job. Um, But I think COVID really put a damper on things as far as hands-on training and and stuff like that, but we're starting to get back in the swing of it, right? The the culture for me was – uh you were expected to know your job um just most like probably every other fire department but if you had a tool you're expected to know what it was right take it apart know everything there is to know about that uh particular item or uh you should know how exactly how much hose on that fire engine how much water it carries what nozzles on it you know it wasn't just yep there's a fire engine and I ride on that today it it was very in-depth and we had some good instructors and good mentors that taught us that. And obviously we're still with some of those people today. Um, But that was it, you know, Um, you came in, you worked hard and they showed you what you needed to know. And um, at the time, you know, we were literally paid by the call. So, but when you went out the door till you got back, that's what you got paid for. It wasn't, you know, by the hour, it wasn't for the shift. And then they said, oh, well, you know what we're going to do? You guys are starting to ride on the ambulances, your medics. The guy that, the PLC that was on the fire engine would get paid until the ambulance got back in quarters from the hospital. We're all like, this is great. We're getting paid more money, (laughs) right? And we thought that was a ton. And at the time, the union started working supplemental shifts uh, to get rid of the contract and to keep it in-house with our own people and staff. So if the full-timers didn't take the supplementals, they got passed down to us part-timers um, or the POCs. And so that was like, you're going to pay us to be here for 24 hours, whether or not we go on a call, like, this is just insane, you know? And that was just like kind of the the stepping stone because we all wanted to be full-time. And, uh, then in 2010, uh, I took one test. It was Lincolnshire, and I got hired, but I know many people struggled, you know, because there was not like it is today where you have, Very little jobs and a lot of people. So I was very fortunate, and a lot of my friends that I was part-timers with at the time, they they took a lot of tests or they got hired after. Um, So I was very fortunate to get hired at a very young age, and I didn't realize then what that meant.
1: Yeah, uh, you're one of two stories that I know of that, and my old man's the other one because he got hired. uh, Pretty much the same story, one test at uh, at 20. And, yep. and that was it, and he got hired at uh, Highland Park.
0: Yeah, and it, it, a little interesting fact there is I got hired October uh, 2010. So not only did I get hired at 20, but I was Tier 1. And in January that year they made the state law, you'd be 21 years old. So had I not gotten hired, I would have had to wait till after May of the next year to get hired my 21st birthday. Man. So I was very lucky. But didn't, I mean, I, I knew I was fortunate to have a job but I didn't realize how much until later on down the road.
1: Very cool. So early in your career, uh, who or what influenced you the most? So this could be actual people that you were around. It could be uh, outside influences, right? Uh, You know, the speakers that that, that, that are are, are the voices of the fire service, right? Or really just anything.
0: What influenced you? Um, The people that I worked with was really the reason why I stayed where I was. Um, also then, too, I, I didn't know, uh, you know, you're you're new in the fire service. I didn't know what it was like to work in a place like Detroit or Stockton, you know, the busy places, right? But what I st- stuck around for was the people. We had a great group of people. We had good equipment. Uh, we, you know, guys – uh, our district's very fortunate. We've had money. We we don't really have money issues, so that I, I don't know the struggle of that. But really, it was the people is what I stayed for. We had some really excellent uh, individuals that I worked with that I still work with. Uh, I'll be careful with names, but uh, one definitely was Jimmy Carney, um, who obviously we lost. But he was my, my company officer when I first got hired full time uh, down at station 52 and i was assigned to dave benson was my big brother if you will and him and i were together for uh probably the first two years of my career on ambulance 52 or ambulance 53 at the time and we had a blast and he really at first was the one to show me the way now i already had kind of known because i was a part-timer right but now it was this was the big leagues, if you will. Right. So we were still on probation. So it wasn't like, yeah, you guys got hired full time. Yeah. Go kick in the recliners. You're all good. It was still probation. So uh, he certainly helped guide me through there. And at the time he had, uh, geez, I don't know, probably seven or eight years on it. I would have to say, uh, don't quote me on that. But anyways, he was a huge influence. And then obviously working with Carney, uh, he really was the one that was inspiration, and still to this day, um, you know, he means the world to me. And he was the one that showed us that there's a time to have fun in the firehouse, and it's the firehouse, but when he went out on calls, we always said he had a game face, and he changed. Not in a bad way, but whatever he did, and I heard from multiple people, including our old shift commanders, uh, whenever Jimmy was on a call, they didn't worry. Because they knew he was going to do the right thing, and it would be done correctly and to the best of whatever we could do. So I had a good, very good influence early on, you know, and uh, obviously I use his name because he's not with us, um, but there's been some other huge uh, influences uh, on my career. Some guys are not with us anymore uh, for other reasons, uh, but I still work with a lot of those guys to this day, and uh, they know who they are you know but really it was the people that raised me correctly in the fire service if you will
1: yeah i mean for a 20 year old kid i I'm, i am nowhere near the person now or when so i i started when i was 20 i got hired traditional when i was 28 and that 8 years uh, if it really i grew up yeah, A lot of the things that, that I am now as a man came from being in the fire station more so than, mm-hmm. than uh, you know, obviously my parents raised me well and, and those things. It's not that. But there were a lot of personal responsibility things that a 20-year-old kid getting a whack in the back of the head once in a while uh, in a good way. Uh, you, you learn a lot of personal responsibility. Uh, firehouse culture is wonderful for that, for teaching young, energetic people how to channel that the right way. Yeah, and if you get connected with the right people, I mean, you're off like a rocket.
0: Yeah, and 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 the reason why I only I mentioned those guys is because those are the guys I worked with. You know, we're not a, a huge city by any means, but you do get, um, I want to say stuck, but you you're with the same guys and you work with other good people that you don't get to work with all the time. So there there was a lot of other guys, but we had a lot of. Um, People that came from other departments that had a lot of experience. So early on to me, that was like, all right, well, I didn't work anywhere else. so I guess I'm not going to have any experience. I'm not going to be like these guys. So you tried to soak in whatever they, they had and whatever they taught you. you know, and sometimes it was the school of hard knocks. They, they, they would make sure you understood that if you made a mistake, you made a mistake. You know, and I always say you don't go home happy every day. Sometimes you got to go home with your tail between your legs, right? And that's just life. And that, that ultimately made you better. You know, it wasn't like they belittled you to the fact where you didn't want to come back. It was, we're proving a point. We taught you, you know, you need to know this and learn the lesson. And, and that was very important and you didn't want to do anything to make those guys upset with you or not, you know, have your trust, uh, or let them down really, I guess. So you worked extra hard to make sure that you were feeling what their shoes were. And eventually somebody will replace mine or, the rest of the guys, you pay it forward, yeah. It's just like somebody probably did to them and whoever their mentors were, or wherever they started or came from, because a lot of guys didn't, like I said, they came from other departments, you know, and, and they came here on the full-time, uh, either traditional or via the contract. Um, so we had a lot of people that had a lot of good knowledge and still do to this day. I, I don't mean any disrespect to the people I work with today, but more so just talking about, you know, in the past. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: uh lighting says those are all great points if uh and they are i mean uh, absolutely they are
0: yeah and and you have to excuse me. sometimes I'm not the greatest at articulating what I'm trying to say so um but you know they they made it fun it was definitely different then too we had a, a different fire chief and sometimes you walked around on eggshells, right? Because you leave the firehouse, you knew he came in. If you made a mistake, he wasn't gonna let you forget about it. Whether you know, even if it wasn't a big deal, but we were—it was a very tight group of individuals back then because we all took care of each other. Awesome. Uh,
1: another uh, little thing here uh, again, Leidig. Uh, it's a lessons learned, not. I'm uh, sorry. It's the lessons learned, not the organizations they come from, right?
0: That's Correct. what's
1: more important, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And that took me, and we'll probably segue into it, that took me a long time to figure that out, you know, because you sit there and you say, all right, these guys talk about all these fires they went to, and all these wrecks and all these, you know, good EMS calls. And you're like, well, we don't, you know, obviously we're just like any other suburb. We don't get that in the frequency. So it's like, man, when am I going to get my time? Is it going to take me 20 years to be like them? And how do you uh, get to their level, right? So that's knowing the rig, knowing your district, knowing your protocols, knowing the SOPs, and showing up to work with a good work ethic and a and a, a good mindset. Now, every day, like I said, you don't win. Everybody has bad days. Um, but, but, like I said, it was all training. That's That was it. And, and we had the good calls in there. We just didn't get in the frequency that we'd like to be able to test our skills. That's how I like to say it. You know, I don't... I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's good to know that what you're doing is working.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the things, we'll, we'll get right into it now, and, and, and let's talk about uh, you. when we were talking about you coming on, you would mentioned you don't got to be big city to be a good fireman. And I think so many firefighters feel because where they come from, they don't got you know skin in the game, they don't have clout right. because – they're not wearing a patch that says you know CFD or FDNY, and, and don't get me wrong; those those organizations are obviously yep. you know prestigious for a reason. But it doesn't mean you know that you as an individual in the suburbs can't meet that same expectation. So I, I'd love to hear Correct. you talk about that.
0: Yeah, and that that is not a shot at uh, big organizations or the cities. I know that there are good people there, and and that's really you know. Even in 2010, you had videos, but it wasn't like now with social media. So, like, most of the information that was coming out was, like, the fire engineering or you take seminars, right, FDIC, and who was there? All the big city guys, right, Camden and Gary, FDNY, all that. So you took classes from them, and so, you know, you felt like, for me personally, it was like, all right, well, I'm never going to compare to any of these guys, right, because you don't have the opportunity, And, and that really put me in a rut for a little while because I was like, oh, I'm not going to be a big city fireman and see all this stuff. Well, I can tell you now I have a totally different mindset because I have seen those things, just not in the frequency. Right. And when, when they have happened, we've done the right thing or done our very best. And it's proved that our training and what we believe in works. And so I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, it, it, like I said, that it just took me a long time to figure that out. So one of the biggest things was I always went to training, right? Every year we get to put in for classes, and if they get approved, you get to go. So I've, I've always taken classes every year because you have to stay current in the game, and it's ever-changing. I worked with a lot of good people, but I also worked with some people that didn't have the best example, right? And you learn a lot from those people as well.
1: Yeah, and, and we all have, by the way, so that's don't feel like that's exclusive to, yeah. you know, right?
0: You, it, you're you free to say that all day. It's not like it's yeah. just your department. Exactly. So, and, in, in like, said, not just the department, but other trainings, right? We work with other towns. You see all, all the old salty guys that, no matter what happens, it just doesn't make them happy. Well, you learn that that's not who you want to be, right? And um, a lot of the guys that I hung out with, they were always trying to be the best of the job. I'm like, oh, I want to be just like them. So you took training. So... Every year I went to, well, I went to FDIC a few times, but always took classes. Uh, One of the best ones I took was "Rid Under Fire. And for me, like we talked about before, a couple weeks ago, like to me that was, all right, how do I gauge myself against guys from all over the state? And there was a lot of big city guys in there. And what it shows is that you're able to work with your hands, use your head, use your tools, and you can be comparable to those guys. And so, like, after that, it kind of made things a little bit better for me, right? And when we have a combined area, of fire train, the calf that we share with Buffalo Grove, Wheeling, Deerfield, ourselves, and Long Grove. And so when you see the instructors down, you're like, man, how, how, do, how am I going to be like that one day? You know, and how do you have enough confidence in your skill and personally to be able to talk in front of those people and, and show them your skill? And how do you prove it to them that you know what you're talking about? You're not just saying it. And you can actually do it. Um, so, like I said, going to that class really, I think, helped open that door. And um, I o- had always taken classes. You know, it didn't stop me when I got in that rut or whatever, but it certainly helped. That That's a fact. And, and, and going to fires and being on the fire ground as a firefighter and as a company officer, um that helps you build that little bit of self confidence because you know that what you're studying and what you're reading and what you're practicing is working in real life application but we don't get it that often right does that make sense
1: absolutely i think uh one of the things i hear kind of around my organization and not in a negative but there's people that in, in the reference of what we're talking about right they want enough experience before they go to the next level or something like that. And it was something that I I think we're all programmed, right, to believe. And it's not that experience isn't important, right? Absolutely it's important. Having as much real-life, on-the-job experience that you can get, yeah, it matters. But the reality for most suburban fire departments is, like you said, the frequency is not there. And so you have to go get it. You have to go find places to put yourself to the test or Correct. you just got to find a way to be confident in yourself and that was one thing that my dad passed on to me like there's a point where you've got to take ownership of what you know and and be okay with that and and put yourself out there and try things and and that's your way to got to get to that next level for most suburban fire departments there's no light switch that gets flipped where they're like all right you got 10 years now you're smart that's not the case <laughs> for us like no. And, no and it's it's not the case anywhere but obviously our industry weighs a lot on when did you start when did you get hired right uh, really it's what have you experienced over the course of that of, of that time more so right. than and,
0: when yeah and two like if you if you don't have those real life experiences what have you done to keep yourself relevant and uh with the times as far as what's going on in the fire service and and ems right like i know we're talking heavy fire here but also EMS, right because you you want to be a good medic to me, that was probably one of the most um, daunting you know tasks because you you're taking care of people you know and I remember going through medical school, I'm like they're going to let us give medications to people and we're going to shock them with the monitor, and then it's just me and my partner and two other guys you know so you you rely heavily on the guys that have been around because they've been there yeah and I think to me like that's what's starting to click or has over the last however many years it's like all right now all of a sudden i thought i was always going to be the young kid and the young guy well now in my organization those older guys obviously by um either retirement or unfortunately death we are losing those guys so now all of a sudden guess what whose turn is it you know and so you have to be there for the next set of people and um that for me Taking the lieutenant's exam, uh, I was very fortunate to be an actor. Uh, before I was promoted, we only had two officers, a shift, and three firehouses. So that meant the top actor on that shift got to be the boss every day and experience that position, which was huge. Um, and you don't know until you sit there. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the lieutenants would say, oh, in trouble, Orange, you should pay attention in the middle of the night. And I'm in the back, and you're like, you gotta go back to the firehouse. Well, guess what? When it's your turn to ride in that seat and you see what that panel is saying, you go check that building, your name's on the report, and something happens, <laughs> you wanna make sure you did the best that you could. You know, and so that was a whole new other exciting element for me. Not that I I'm not saying that I was in a rut or I was just content. It's just a different level of uh, challenge, you know, because also like we talked about being young. Uh, I was gonna be a lieutenant for guys that had way more time on the job, and guys that brought me up in the fire service. So it's a very ominous uh, outlook, you know, when when you're going up against that. And I would say I did get promoted, you know, and so it was a, a new challenge. You know, you were comfortable with your firefighting skills, but now it's a totally different experience from riding backwards or driving the fire engine or being the guys on the ambulance that are the fire company. And you got somebody to tell you what you're looking for. You know, now your guys are looking to you and and we're always a team. Uh, I work with a great set of guys and and have. And um, our officer core has changed for the, uh, I think, better, right? Because it's the future. And we had some officers back in the day that they held all the knowledge and didn't share any of it. And that, that I said I would never be like. And going back to Jimmy, that's how he was. So that's the boss I wanted to be or, or the lieutenant I wanted to be is I want everybody's input. Is there a time where the lieutenant has to be lieutenant? Yeah. But majority of the time, it's a team effort, yeah. right? Like I value the opinions of what the guys I work with say on fire calls, EMS calls, everything. Because we're a team. I don't know everything. I don't, I'll never know everything. But we work together and we've built a really good core group i think and and like i said we are a small organization so i I get to work with a lot of people but you work with the same people relatively speaking every day right and to me that was a new level of excitement because i'm not coming to work for me now i'm coming to work for a group of people and you don't get to put yourself first or you shouldn't if if you want to be a good officer and that was what was taught to me and and another mentor of mine that's my battalion chief I um, I'll say his name, Eric LaVernia. He was a huge mentor to me um, and still is to this day. And I remember like the first time I started acting up and we were running calls together. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, you got a guy, you're maybe a fire alarm, you know, he's coming in, right? That's a good feeling to know who you have coming to give you a hand and you rely on, on those other guys too. And they gave me a chance really, you know, that guys could have been like, ah, nah, we're just, this kid doesn't know what he's doing. So I had to prove myself again. And still do to this day. So it it's fun. I'm still having a blast with it. Um when I I was promoted in twenty nineteen and I I love every second of it now. It it's a lot of fun. It's just a new element of excitement. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh Leidig brought
1: up something we were talking, you know, through uh training and experiences and stuff like that, and he said one of the best learning experiences is that oh shit moment, right? Yes. And, and don't do that again kind of thing, right? right? And uh, hopefully you can pull something from that, right? And and uh, yeah, I, I've been trying to think on for our shift training and how we do things at work, how to manufacture those. At a certain point, right? Like you gotta you gotta train on the basics. You gotta get to a point where those things aren't what are gonna hold somebody up. But how do you manufacture that? Like, oh shit, I gotta make the judgment call kind of stuff. And I think that that lends itself to what you're talking about too. When you start acting and those kinds of things, like your safety net goes away after a certain Correct. point. Correct. And that's where you really start to commit some things to your subconscious, like, mind, and you're able to pull stuff out.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that is, like, it, until you get into those experiences and, like, what those guys that had time on, you know, time on before me that were telling me you know, as a kid, you like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, now all of a sudden, guess what? It's all fun, and then you're like, oh, man, okay, th- these guys didn't know what they were talking about. You know <laughs> what I mean? And <laughs> so... You, you you pay attention a lot more. Um, and, yeah, certainly uh, scenarios that you get in, um, you take with you. I try to tell all the new people I, I love working with the new hires and passing on what I've been given and, and I've learned. And what I tell them is that we're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. But you shouldn't make silly mistakes like, oh, I forgot my face piece in the rig or, oh, I can't get my face piece on without getting you know dropping my gloves you know or i left my gloves in the rig right i forgot my hand tools i didn't check the front door there there's going to be things that you're you're always going to want to improve on but to me and the the lack or the um amount of fires that we get to go to i don't want to dwell on that for 6 months a month a year however long that may be that's going to bother me for a long time so the basic uh mistakes you don't want to you know mess up on so you, that's why you train you practice mm-hmm. throw ladders you know, as regularly as you can, pull lines, go over the vehicle, know what's in there, know what all your equipment does and make sure it works. And it's the importance of just as simple as checking your face piece in the morning. New people, they say, well, why do we do that? Well, you do that. So you know that you're ready to go. It's one less thing you got to worry about. Now failures can still happen. I sure. get that, but, um, you know, you could start the chainsaw in the morning and fill it with that little bit of extra ounce of gas by tilting it to the side, you know, but, and it may not start right. Or you set it down, it gets run over, but, at least in the morning, you know you did the very best you could to set yourself up. And at the, and at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about the community that, that pays us to protect our community, right? So that's why you get up in the morning and, and go to work with a, a good attitude and and try to keep relevant.
1: Yeah, uh, right. You have a duty. That's that's really yeah. what it is. Uh, I think Halton, one of Bobby Halton's last uh, – uh, a couple FDIC speeches. One of them, was, I think it was bound to, bound to good or something like that. And it was all about duty and that, uh, I mean, he was uh, ahead of his time seeing what's kind of happening uh, where, and I'm not going to gripe that like the generation and all that stuff, right? Uh, uh, that's not what I'm saying. But there there has been a, a slight disconnect, I think, from duty and and what that really means and service to people, right? And exactly what you're talking about. You're, you're training so you can go home, sure. You're training so you can be proficient But you're really training so you can take care of the people that you swore, you know, an oath to protect.
0: Correct. Yeah, and and another thing that, you know, is taught to me early on, too, is when you go to trainings and you're around our peers, it's very easy to sit back in the weeds, right, and let somebody go first and be like, oh, that guy's going to get torn apart. But what I was always told is you go first or try to be because when you put yourself out there and you show that you're vulnerable but you are willing to do it and do the best you can, you're going to learn more. Now, I'm not saying that if you're the fifth person to go out of five, you're not going to learn something, but I'm the fifth person to go. I'm not going to make as many mistakes because I watched the first four guys ahead of me make the same mistake. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, simply just, you know, like I said, down at our, our calf when we do our live burns or our multi-company evolutions down there, uh, even within the department, but more so in front of the other uh, towns you work with, uh, shows that you're willing to do that, and I think that speaks volumes of the person of who you are as a firefighter or and or a company officer.
1: I think that's a huge fire service cultural change that's in a good way happening now. As I think, uh, not that you couldn't make mistakes, but and uh, you know we're still firefighters; they're still poking and prodding. We're always going to oh, do that, and there's oh. nothing wrong with that to a certain extent, right? Like, right. But but on the training ground, I think that we're starting to see that that's going away. And you, you, it's okay. Make some mistakes, right? Because we want you to do it here, and not when you actually get out in the real world.
0: Exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and it is hard because sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm. Not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, ruin whatever reputation you have. But I think it just makes it better. And I I I think people would have more respect for you to do that than um, just kind of sit back in the weeds and build this persona that you have. But show it by actually doing the job and using your hands and using your
1: head. People are worried about losing stock, right? So like, oh, I messed up in front of everybody. Now everybody thinks I'm a moron. When in reality, you going first and showing that, you know, you're willing to put yourself out there, that earns you respect, even if you mess up.
0: Sure. And and people need to know that, like that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more you do that, I think we're always looking for the – not a pat on the back, but like I said, the guys that influenced you early on, you're kind of seeking their approval, you know, in, in a way that makes sense, you know. So you, you don't want to let them down. And when you get that pat on the back, it's like, all right, we're doing something good here, you know, and let's keep keep on that path. So from
1: training, kind of going over into mindset stuff, um, we had talked a little bit about maybe talking about risk and – um what the fire service uh, has to do with risk and, and, and uh, horrible segue, but let's talk about risk. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I think, uh, we're smarter. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to make ourselves more educated, right? Obviously cancer is always crammed down our throats and wear your safety vests and, you know, do things, you know, we're the most important people on the fire ground. I, I, I get where that comes from, but again, going back to the community and the customer is number one and what they need, right and I'm not saying be reckless or you know I'm not looking to make people mad, but we have to remember that the people that we work for we serve are number one, and that's why we get uh paid the money that we do uh because sometimes maybe it doesn't work out so well for us but we should be there for the customer first. And I think sometimes that inhibits some people that when you go to fires, maybe they don't want to do their job, right? Because they've been told that statistically you're going to get, and I don't want to put numbers out there, I'm not good with numbers, but you get I, my point. I'm, I'll back right? you up
1: with numbers because I, I, I researched that stuff. So go, and on, I remember go ahead, you could throw things from,
0: out. <laughs> from the uh, one you had with Mike Walchez, right? you guys were talking about it. And I'm not saying that you're not going to get cancer. And I don't believe in it. I do, right? Because we we witnessed it firsthand, yeah. and uh, that was a huge event in my life and in the fire service. Because, like I said, um, not to change the subject, but Jimmy was a huge not only my lieutenant, but a mentor and a friend. You know, we'd go fishing, and uh, obviously, we still keep in contact with his wife and his kids. So I I saw what Jim went through, right? And so I get it. It's real, okay. But I don't think that that should impede us from being the best we can. And sometimes being aggressive, that's okay. Uh, and I think Mike Welch has said the same thing. I, I tried to make a note as I was listening to it, and I liked a lot of things that he said, right? Like, let's remain task-oriented, right? And sometimes we have to put ourselves back a little bit, right? And we are important. I, I fully believe that. But we still have a job to do. And being aggressive doesn't make you a cowboy, right? It doesn't make you reckless. I think it just makes you what firefighters should be, right? And I know that's kind of a bold statement. I don't mean any disrespect by that, but I I do believe that because I worked with a lot of people like that. I know guys from other departments that are like that. Um, Obviously, being in the fire service for a little time now and – uh, being involved with different things. Uh, I'm on a task force now. I've been on for a year. I get to meet a lot of other guys from all over the state that I think have the same mindset, but I think sometimes we get, um, safety and cancer and all this stuff crammed on our, our throat and it's just all the way around. Well, what, what can't you help to think about? That's what it is. You know, when you meet other, other guys, when you go out and you're part of
1: task force and, and, and it seems like people have the same thought process Sure. I, there's a grassroots movement right now through things like podcasts, through things like uh, independent blogs, and things that come out through social media. Uh, that's that's preaching this, and that right. and and it's resonating with a lot of people because that's what we're supposed to be, right? And um, I, it's I it's one of those things now, and I think Mike said it if if I remember correctly, and it was basically if it offends you, so be it. But like that's what okay. we're here to do. Um, one of my favorite people to read or listen to, if you ever get the chance, is Chief uh, Scott Thompson uh, in the colony. He's in Texas, and uh, he's got a quote, and it's, if we're being smart, we're being safe. Correct. Right? And yep. that should be the focus, right? Not looking for excuses to not do your job, but being right. really damn good at your job.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I, I agree 100%. And. You know sometimes right we you talk about reputation and things and 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 that's some of that's perception right and we get small glimpses of each other but part of my thing that i would say is with chris saying hi is that i work with a lot of people that i believe have the same mindset that i do on other departments so when you show up to the fireground with those guys you know exactly that they're thinking the same thing and um Chris and I had that uh, whatever a meeting a couple of days ago, and, and for him to say that he felt confident that I was there, I was thinking the same thing before he said it because I was going to say it, and I mean that. And and So same with the other guys that were on that fire ground, 1st thing company officers and the guys I was with. It's It, it feels good to know that you're showing up with, with guys that, number one, you know, other than they just work on other fire departments, but having a personal relationship and somewhat of a friendship with them, that certainly helps uh, the cause, and especially if they have the same mindset as you, right? And, and again, I'm not saying we're cowboys or, you know, this and that, but just simply doing our job. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's just what it boils down to. Uh,
1: I think that that's a great thing to then keep talking to you. Uh, earlier where you were kind of mentioned same shift, different uh, – or sorry, same shift, different fire station or ugh, different fire department, right? And that's kind of lending to what you're talking about here, uh, having a relationship with those guys. That you yeah. see, right? You see them at the hospital. Hey, yeah. you know, whatever. And you can talk some shop in that way. Or if you're fortunate enough to train, right? Is that something that you guys do pretty frequently where you run into your, your, your neighbors?
0: Um, so obviously through, um, uh, mutual aid or auto aid. Yeah. Um, certainly on the fire round, because just like every other fire department round, we're short, so you need the help. Um, but Yeah, I would say also within, we tried to do a thing on our shift where we tried to meet up with the departments that were around us and just kind of take it on our own as a company to say, hey, let's get together and get to know each other. And that same mindset came from that other department and that company officer. So it was really a lot of fun, you know, and it was on our own. It wasn't that the the district said, now they would support it and they do, but it wasn't like you're going to do this and it's going to happen. It was strictly spontaneous from us and seeing a need that it is good because we are running in and out of towns, you know, here and there, or sometimes maybe a few times a day. Who knows? In in EMS calls and fire, fire alarms, you know, everything in between, we know what what we're talking about. But it really helped when we did get fires because when Buffalo Grove Quint 27 pulled up, I knew those guys that were there. We did training with them, Long Grove, you know, like all the towns that are around us, right? It just it made it that much better. And there was, like, that personal connection catch- was just like, Hey, uh, you know, engine 52 officer or squad 51 officer was like, Hey, Craig, what do you need? Right. And that, that really, to me is like what I think the fire service is and what it should be. It's personal, right? We, we do the same job. We wear different patches with different names, but we're there to do the same thing. Right. And, and we should have fun while we're doing it too.
1: I think that's something our area and not like our area is bad or anything, but, um, You know, there's other places in the country that have these big fire districts, right, with, like, 28 stations and all that other stuff, and we're almost like that within our individual counties. We just don't think like that. Every fire you go to is not just you. Correct. It's not just your town. Uh, Even larger, you know, a big car accident or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, even, even if you're stacked and you need an extra ambulance coming into your town, like, you know if you went out you know west or whatever it would just be more of your fire department coming in from a different area in the community for us it's your, it's your neighbor and it's the same thing we just don't treat it that way right it's uh it's really cool that you're fortunate enough to have a lot of good relationships in that way with your neighbors yeah. next to you
0: yeah and it makes it i think you know i think we're all different um Obviously, Chris has way more, and I, I hate to keep p- picking on Chris, but I know he's in here, yeah. but I know he has way more time on than I do in being a company officer, but um, it, we're in all different ranges and stages of our career, you know, and when we trained with uh, Buffalo Grove, those guys, some of those guys had 30 or 30-plus 30 years, and when you are getting the respect of those guys, not just as a company, but, like, as an individual is how I took it. It was like, all right, we, I am doing something right, or, and we are doing something right because they see something in us right and so we've run some pretty significant calls with them and it was great when you hear a 26 year guy calling for us to to work together that 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 means a lot that means the world you know because we're there to do it together and and they see something in us so back to that you don't have to be from a a busy department or a, a bigger organization to be good at the job
1: yeah uh Diana uh, New, Neubecker says uh, best call
0: with Craig was uh, was an OB delivery. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, I remember that. I think it was 2015. We delivered a, I think it was an off-duty Vernon Hills officers that was taking his wife to the hospital. We were at a car show <laughs> at the grocery store, and we got called across the street to the gas station, and it was myself, Alex Nunez, Jason Sander, Eric Lavernier. We delivered a... A baby in the back of the ambulance at 41 and 22, and we had Highland Park, I think it was Highland Park ambulance um, or their engine, I can't remember. But I, there was a guy that was in, that I was in medic school with, Brian McDonald and Kevin Canal, who I knew that showed up yeah. and were like, "Hey, we need your monitor," and they're like, "What do you need?" It was just again people that you know showing up in a time where it was stressful. It was great, right? And obviously having Diana there helped tremendously too because. Yeah. You knew you had somebody else there that had the the knowledge and has been there before. I was never there. I didn't even have kids at the time. Do you think –
1: so how how old are your kids now?
0: Uh, Six and five.
1: Do you feel like uh, there was a shift in the way that you operate when you had kids?
0: Mm, like, I, like as far as mindset on the fire ground,
1: or really just anything, do you feel like it's changed you as a as a firefighter paramedic?
0: Yeah, I think definitely on EMS calls, going on, on calls with kids because you know what normal looks like. Yeah. And when a kid looks sick, uh, then you know, right? Like a crying kid before you had kids is like, oh man, that's it's loud, it's noisy. <laughs> just
1: handing it to the guy that's had I'll- kids. <laughs>
0: Thumbs up. That's good, right? Kids screaming, making noise, that that's good, right? And um, I I certainly think it does. Um, I don't think it changes my mindset on anything on the fire ground. Obviously, I, I want to come home and see my kids, but um, they're around the firehouse. They know it. They get it. Uh, they're around all the time. I live in the district, so they come around all the time, which is fun, or we'll pop in, you know, district familiarization, and say hello. So, I think uh, definitely on the EMS side, it it has helped a lot because I remember going on calls and we would be trying to figure out how to put a car seat on. None of us had kids. Now all of a sudden we all have kids and it's no problem or getting them in the SCR or whatever to get them on the the cot. It, it just works now. It just makes sense.
1: Yeah. I had one, uh, my, my, uh, uh, one of the guys I work with regularly, Johnny, uh, we had a, a woman deliver into a toilet and it was like her fourth kid or something like that. So basically just walked out and, uh, I remember my lieutenant uh, basically looked at Johnny and I because we we'd both just had kids very recently, and he looks at us and goes, swaddle that baby. And we're like, you got it, Lou. Like, we <laughs> took him off, yeah. and we're wrapping the kid up, and we're getting – it was it was hilarious. So, like it,
0: it, Yeah. And not to get into stories too much, but when I, when I first started, I was with Dave Benson. Again, we get called for a, a possible delivery uh, in our district in 52, and I remember walking up there, and there was a lady on the bed with the cord still attached and a kid there, and I was just holding the bags, and Dave's telling me to hand him stuff, and I just froze. Like, I just couldn't, I didn't know what that meant. Like, you, you don't see things like that, like yeah. right? Especially being 21 years old, like... I've heard about it in med school, and I know that that's what's supposed to happen. But you see it, and you just freeze, you know. And then fast forward to that delivery, I cut the cord, you know. So I couldn't have tied my own shoes on that first one, <laughs> let alone do anything else. Uh,
1: I I think after I had my 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 first son Jack, like I was always locked into the job, right? Like I've cared, I've trained. It's not that I haven't, but I found another level that I didn't know I had. And it makes it drives me that much more to be that much smarter, right? Uh, yep. and, and I didn't know I had that level in me until I had kids.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, it, it just helps you. Obviously, the parents have called you for a reason, right? Our kids get sick. They're not immune to having to go to the doctor or broken bones, which our kids have had, certainly. Uh, but you're able to talk to the parents um on a more professional or, or better level because you've been there again right yeah. so you can mm-hmm. tell them okay this is what's going on right they're they're freaking out just like i would be too but uh if it was my child but you're able to i think explain better and talk with them and you know tell them hey this is what's going on and and have some experience behind it i think that certainly helps not only taking care of the child but being able to speak with the family
1: oh yeah and
0: and i'm, I'm also talking
1: on the fireside. it's made me Oh, more yeah, motivated definitely. too to yeah. to be that much more into things and, and, and yep. like I said I've always enjoyed every bit of it but like having kids at home like you got, it and, makes and there's me, more at stake right and then it makes you, you drive to even you know climb ladders and all that metaphorical ladders but you know what I mean like
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah uh, and uh, Trevor, well, a guy I used to work with, uh, Trevor was one of my partners. He just said, you know, pediatric calls are different. And I, I would probably uh, assume you're feeling some of that too, Trevor, because he's a new dad. And there's a, there's a little bit of a mental adjustment once that happens. Oh, right? yeah.
0: And, and I think we say, too, when we get a peds call, because we've had some pretty significant peds calls that have affected some of the members of our organization uh, mentally uh, because they were tough. But I think just in general, because it's a child, the stress level is just that much higher. Not to say that you know we don't care about the person from you know eighteen to a hundred and three years old. It's just that I think we don't handle Pete's calls that often. Yeah. So when they do pop up, it's like, oh holy shit! Yeah. You know, okay. you know, it's like all right now we really gotta be you know, on the game. And I think people are just trying to do such a good job that that's why it becomes so stressful because yeah. you don't want to make a mistake. Not that you want to make a mistake with grandma or, you know, somebody that was in a car accident. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's a different stress, I think. No.
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, Vandenberg says, uh, thanks for the great conversation at the CAF
0: site. Uh, oh, uh, last yeah. Week. Yeah, they, they, he came out and gave a, a resiliency class. And he he actually had a funny comment to me because uh, afterwards I ins- thanked the instructors for coming out. And I said, that, you know, for not being around the fire service very long. And he goes, oh, you've been around a little while, Craig, you know, um, which I thought I appreciated. But it is good um, not to change the topic, but oh. on the resiliency, I, I we've had some training in-house. Uh, like I had mentioned, we've had some tough days in our firehouse, um, much like obviously what's going on in, in other towns. But to speak of what I know, Um, you know, Jim's was really tough. That was a long time, um, when he was sick. And then obviously when he passed, it was tough, but I will tell you that during those times, um, another member that we lost is Mark Amor. Uh, and that was a, a freak accident that, I mean, he, he would be here. He wasn't ill. It was just an unfortunate event. Um, so those were some tough days, but I'll tell you when, when, especially Mark's happened and, and even after, uh jimmy passed the only thing i could think of is i wanted to go to the firehouse and like when mark passed away and we found out i said i got to get to the firehouse i'm going to start cleaning up the engine right because i think you needed to have something on your mind yeah and my Mm -hmm. point to that is i think the resiliency training is great And, and for me it gave me a word to what i was experiencing right and and what i've told some of the people i work with is When you have bad days, it's picking up the pieces and being able to move forward and go back to a normal state of living, right? Now, obviously, you're never going to be the same because still to this day, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about Jim multiple times of the day or what he'd think of who I am as a firefighter or a company officer especially, right? Um, But you take those things and you use it as steam to be better and to keep moving forward. Um, so they gave a nice presentation on, on resiliency and we've done a lot more of that. And what I told them was in the short time that I have been in the fire service so far, it's been leaps and bounds, right? Like before it was like, you talk and you hot wash, which I think is great, right? we we've been on some pretty tough calls here in the last couple of months, I would say. And the best is just talking in the cab on the way back, right? Go back to the firehouse guys coming off when we're coming off, they're coming on, talk about it. Yeah. Right, and yeah, we're going to see some things that aren't normal, and we don't see it that often. So I think that's what makes it even more um, word I'm looking for not special, but different, right? Very stressful and something you can't wrap your head around, you know. And uh, I've had a lot of tough days in my life uh, in the fire service and outside, Um, and those are the things that make you work hard and keep moving forward, you know. And I I think to bring back the kids thing, that's why you work so hard, right? The kids, my wife. Uh, and, and the rest of my family so uh, their, their presentation was great in a sorry in a long-winded uh, conversation there but that's what this is all about. it was man. it was yeah. great conversation yeah. because it showed that uh, obviously um, Jay's a chief a battalion and we had a retired battalion in there so you see the higher level in uh, and, and, and more guys there are guys that have more time on the job saying that it's all right, you know, if you're okay, you're all right. It is okay to be okay. Uh, But if you're not, say something, you know. And I think we do work together so much that when someone comes in in the morning, we know when they're off, right? The kids kept them up or they got something going on. They're not getting along with their wife, right? They got marriage problems, you know. Um, But that's part of the other half of the gig that uh, we do, right? It's not always the glorious stuff. And, um company officers they don't teach you that kind of stuff right it's uh tactics and how do i go to this uh fire alarm and take care of it how do i go on you know take care of this fire this car accident but dealing with people and they don't really teach you that you know that's how you learn again like on the job and you do the best you can and that's why you have friends that work at other places uh so that you can tap into those things right and, and you have mentors from all over the departments. I know I have a lot, a lot of guys I look up to, and I hope they know that. Um, but you have to use that and pass it on to the people that are coming up. Yeah, a um, couple things I want
1: to touch on just from the from the chat that that's coming through here. Uh, so, one of the first things I, I, I pushed it with Mike's, and I'll push it again next rung. Uh, Next Rung is that organization that's all firefighter-driven, uh, peer uh, support network. Uh, and uh, obviously, you can't see it because you're not in the chat, but you could watch the video later and those things come up. Next Rung uh, is a pretty cool group that that's part of that. And it's all peer support. Another thing, are you a reader at all? Do you read books?
0: I can read, yeah, if that's what you're asking. Well, um. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, and and I'll be completely honest about this. I was not much of a reader up until, you know, a year or two ago, and... uh uh, have you heard of Rick George at all? No. So, uh, if you get a chance, look up his story and anyone listening, Rick George, if you want to talk about resiliency and stress management, I mean, it's an incredible story and it's a lot of tangent and I won't talk about all of it, but, uh, he's got a book that he wrote with a couple other guys that fire engineering produced. And I don't know the title off the top of my head, but it was like resiliency and uh, for success based training. And I'm reading that right now, very short book, uh, but it does talk about a lot of this stuff that we don't work these things into academies. We don't work these things into new higher training. How to manage stress, uh, and and one of the things that I've taken already from it is box breathing, and it's completely changed so many things in my life. Let alone not just on the fireside, but even you know uh, the kid that won't stop crying at my house. Like I catch myself <laughs> doing those things now to help get my heart rate back down and get back to a, a place where you can think. And um, anybody, I'll, I'll see if I can find the, the link too for that book and throw it in our chat. But uh, those, those are some great things. And then one other thing before we go into our next topic, uh, Jay, you did not derail us. That's what this is all about. That's why we're live oh, yeah. streaming, right? So, yeah. so please uh, anybody throw things in there. And if Craig and I talk about it, that's where it's at. But Coke fair, uh, Chief Coke Fair brought up a point here, too, and, and this is something that I've lived on the other side. Uh, it's it's dads who have kids in the fire service, and I was just mm-hmm. talking to my dad about this. He was over the other day, and uh, when he was in Highland Park and I was in Antioch and I was acting, uh, he he had a scanner on his desk that was constantly listening to Antioch because he was keeping sure. track of me. And, uh, and every so often, I joke, but I would get the text like, when I talk on the radio, I get a really thick Chicago accent for some reason, and I can't stop myself. And he would text things like, "Hey, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Dunkin' Donuts is fine. You don't need to let everyone know that you know it's a whatever. Uh, go ahead and just reset the alarm, there, kid." But like, I didn't know that he was really like paying attention, and I, that's probably a whole other level of stress, right? Oh and, yeah. Uh, and and Chief uh, uh, Coke Fair, I, I, I'm sure. I mean. Uh your son, you know, obviously he was working on the organization while you were the chief. Uh but now even when he's in some you know, another department, it's an odd dynamic, right, to be uh yeah. separated like that, but you're still a father and you're still a son. So uh Oh sure. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I, I could see that. I mean you worry about your kids now, let alone if they were doing the same job that you know very well and, and the ins and outs of and, and they're doing that, I could see that one hundred percent. Yeah, and I think, uh, it,
1: and if, from what I gathered too, uh, uh, Chief uh, Coke Fair, you were very similar to the way that my father was, where he didn't tell me tactics, he didn't tell me all these things. He just he let me he let me figure stuff out and hook up with the right people, right? And uh, you find those things on your own. And now now you're smart because you found it, not because your dad told you to do it, right? So uh, yeah. Another yeah, awesome tangent. That but back to you, Craig. Sorry. Uh, so one of the things that's pretty cool that Lincolnshire does, uh, and, and, and we'll, we're getting away from heavy stuff and maybe he's talking some cool nerd stuff here about rigs. So you guys do
0: your own maintenance and you hire back for that, correct? Um, yeah. So we'll, we get paid, uh, our straight rate to come back and work in the shop. Um, and, and going back to being an explorer, that was one of the first things uh, when I'd go ride, I right, guess like, this is where you couldn't do much. Well, I, I started hanging out in the shop, right? I took shopping class. I worked in an uh, automotive shop in Lake Villa as an adult. Um, and I was just kind of interested in it. And uh, I my who ended up being my shift commander later on was Bill McCormick. He was our fleet manager at the time. And uh, I started working in there. I also worked in there with Mark Amor, uh, TJ Roof. Uh, who I think is actually who connected us back in the day. We went to FDIC with you, your dad, and Chris Hart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, we were specking a rig. Absolutely. TJ yep. did. So, you know, it, again, full circle. Uh, but I started hanging out in there and working on yeah, small projects, right, like maybe putting the hubcaps on or changing a light bulb in the headlights. Um, and then when I got hired full-time, I stayed working in the shop. Uh, and when Chief McCormick retired, uh Chief McCoy took over as the fleet manager, and we worked underneath him. And we'd get hired back. We would do preventative maintenance, leaf springs, brakes, uh, rebuild valves, ladder maintenance, amulet, everything from the pool car all the way up to the ladder truck. And we're very fortunate. We have a, a two-bay shop. Uh, I have lifts to be able to take the our, our old tandem axle so I could pick, clean off the ground. Uh, so going underneath 80,000 pounds for the first time was a little weird but I can tell you uh, another mentor or a guy that I really look up to is John Ricky from Gurney who also is uh, heavily involved with fleet maintenance and he, they do a lot of stuff on their back. So I am spoiled and I know that. Um, so we do have a very good shop. Like I said, we've always had um, great equipment and we're getting back there. Obviously we had a, we had a little setback with our old ladder truck, but we worked through it. We have a new one in quarters now. So we're excited about that. Um But just from, you know, picking up nuts and bolts on the floor now to uh, I've been running the shop, I think, since 2017, somewhere in there as a fleet manager. So, again, another little exciting uh, part of my career because you get a little more piece of the pie, right? So now all of a sudden I'm in charge of one of the largest budgets of the fire department and I'm, you know, 25 years old, right? And responsibility of being the fleet manager is still turning wrenches um, because we have a few of us now um, guys on shift help right but um, we do have a fleet maintenance division um, and we're specking rigs and seeing that through I mean that is a process in itself Um, there's organizations that have full-time guys that just work in the shop but when I was first in the shop working it was taught to me that uh, we take care of our own stuff and for the reason being is we try to eliminate downtime right rigs don't go out the door we don't have a job. Um, So we try to do everything in house. Now I do send some things out, like we won't do big motor work. Um, That's really kind of past where I am. Could we do it? Yeah, but it'd probably take way too long, you know, and we'd probably break a few things here and there. And before we got to the end result, Uh, but it is really neat to be able to keep a fleet running. And like I said, I live in town. Uh, Every time I see a rig go past or I hear it go past, it's a good feeling because guys are riding around in good vehicle um, and your hard work is, is what got it there, and, and the guys that I work with in the shop, too. You know, It's a very satisfying, and that was taught to me early on. I remember being on a fire scene. We literally had a fire engine in the shop that was done being serviced, and Chief McCormick looks at me and goes, jump in the rig, we're going. We go there, we pull up. All, all of our fire apparatus from Lincolnshire was there, and he said, Everybody that works in the shop gets these rigs here and respond on a daily basis. And that was like okay. You know, I'm not saying fleet management and fleet services is the best uh option for you in the fire service, but it is rewarding. It's it's stressful but very rewarding. Well, if you
1: get the people for that, I mean that's really cool that you're it's yeah. your stuff. I mean it's that
0: much more pride in it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so not only do I we fix them, but we ride on them. So you could fix it the day before, and I ride at it, and and I would repair it. Is that if I was being at it, if I wasn't, right? Because I we're concerned about the people and our in our um, employee safety, right? Um, but it is a lot of fun, and that's a whole another networking experience too, right? We got sent to training up at Pierce. We're sitting next to techs that come and work on our rigs. Like today, I was on the phone with one of the Pierce techs. You build a friendship. So you have a little something you can't figure out. Well, guess what? Maybe I'm going to skirt the dealer, and you talk to the tech, because those are the guys that are on the street doing it, right? So it, it definitely helps. It, it is stressful, and it is a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it is rewarding, on top of being a firefighter yeah. and a paramount,
1: <laughs> you know? So how do, how do you approach uh, uh, specking a new vehicle? What are some of the things that you go through uh, just personally, that that uh, part of your process.
0: So, yeah, a lot of things were laid out very well for me and uh, for the our previous freight managers because of the effort that was put in. We just take things and make them a little bit better. So we've uh, we used to buy rigs. Seagrave would come in. Oh, sorry, we're not going to use names. I didn't mean to say that. You can't. Uh, I don't think there's I'll, an issue with that. Uh, Unless so it's C-grade, on your end, but yeah. Well, it's that was years before me. But oh. we used to be a Grade fleet, um, and they'd come in with a demo, and the chief at the time would say, we're buying it. So whatever showed up is what they got. Yeah. Uh, in 2000, the engine that we still have, if you see it out and about, um, that is our oldest rig that we have. That was the first one that was custom built by a different manufacturer that we currently have. Um, but it was a group effort. And I was brought into that early on in my career working on the vehicles, uh even being on probation for our ladder truck, very limited, but I was part of the experience, right so we put a group together uh, I still do it to this day uh company officers, the firefighters there's chiefs in there too. We kind of try to keep them uh, in the loop, but they our chief really tells us it's for you guys, you figure it out and, you know within reason, right yeah um but he really gives us the power to, to, to figure out what we need and what we should have. So we still do that philosophy here to, the day, to this day, including the ambulances. Um, and it's been a real challenge, just like everybody has during COVID. Um, we had three rigs going at once. Our ladder truck, uh, we designed our new squad, and we had a, a engine coming just because of the lead time. So yeah. we were putting three rigs together at one time so it was a huge help to have everybody else giving me a hand you know and in the fleet division it was it's a lot of fun stressful but it's fun
1: yeah I I got I got to dabble in that a little bit too uh and uh we're uh in Antioch I was fortunate enough to have a lot Uh, Lake Zurich now uh, I'm I'm involved but uh, a lot of that's kind of already put in place uh, my my things now more tools. Uh, I don't. Yeah, but, but it is it's a cool thing. And anybody you know listening, if you if you're not really part of, um, you know, rig design and that, there's uh, there's no class for that. There's no like you know what I mean like.
0: Not that I'm aware of. I yeah, know. I think yeah. there. You know, just like in the fire service, you, you have a replacement, and uh, I have that, and he's a newer guy that started with us, um, Chuck. He's my right hand man in the shop, and he'll eventually take that over. He went down to Arizona to get educated in Fleet. Um, Obviously, he's still very passionate about the fire service. That's always number one. Um, But also with Fleet and and doing whatever the district needs uh, to get things fixed. So I think they have seminars done, but yeah, like we talked about, I don't really think there is. um, And I'll be careful with that because I don't know, but I really don't think there is. I think what it is, like we talked about, now you got like National Fire Radio. You see all that cool stuff yeah. people are coming mm. up with, and you're borrowing it from other departments. Right? We're not stealing it; we're borrowing it.
1: Course, um,
0: but you, you tailor it to what your district needs, you know, and uh, or or your department, whatever you want to call it, and uh, turn out a good product. And like I said, our we're we're very fortunate to have money um so it makes it a little bit easier on my end i don't have to pinch pennies to put tires on the rigs or put brakes do i change the lights or i put tires on it you know it's we're very fortunate so um it is a very fun experience but
1: i got a, it's a lot of work
0: uh from the crowd here for you so yeah. what
1: was tougher to spec a truck or a rescue
0: um I right now the squad is probably the toughest just because like most everybody knows is a fire engine is not just a fire engine right it's completely custom you could make it as custom as you want um the truck was fun because it was different we went back to a single axle stick uh just like what our old sea grave was we had a tandem axle in between um but it didn't really fit our district in my opinion um our new truck's 20,000 pounds lighter. What we really need is a fire engine with an aerial capability, and this this fits the bill just fine. Uh, it is an awesome piece of apparatus, uh, but the, the squad is definitely taking measurements and laying things out on the floor, and um, part of that is a changeover for our uh, SRT equipment. We're, we're trying to do a big changeover uh so I, i'm also involved with our srt team um so we're, we're trying to get up with the times and replace equipment so a lot of it we don't have in hand so we're trying to figure out how that's going to work and this and how much we carry we also want to have better fire suppression on it right because we'd love to have a nice big walk-in rescue tandem axle but that's not realistic for us um, so we've we've put a bigger pump that is more uh capable um, so that's been a challenge because you only at the end of the day you only have a box that's this big and you're trying to put stuff that's this big on it. So it's a big Tetris game. Yeah. So definitely the rescue's harder. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So we talked about connecting right with people, whether it was apparatus building or training or whatever. Um, what are some ways that you've connected with people? Uh, and, and how, how, what advice would you give in that, you know, regard of, of networking and making connections with other firefighters?
0: Talk to people. Um, I, w- I would say that I was shy at, at one point, but now when you kind of have a, you get some confidence that you know what you're doing in the fire service and, and you start to build relationships, talk to people uh i I get my chops bust all the time when we go to mutual aid calls and say we get returned but or we're staging. I like to go up and talk to people and get to know who they are most of the time. I like to go geek over their rigs right so that's that's a good icebreaker um so, uh, in fact, like your guy's squad, we ran into in Wakanda and it was new. We hadn't seen it. So we're over there slamming cabinets and, yeah. you know, it was a joke of all this squad versus whatever. But it, I think just talk to people, you know, and, and see what their experience is. And a lot of times you don't know what a person's backstory is. And there's a lot you can learn just from having a simple conversation, you know, and when you go and you're on the fire ground, right. Don't just pack up and leave right roll hose help clean because it goes a long way and and most of the time that generates conversation and or you you make an impression most importantly right for the for the good right i don't want to go somewhere there's a reason why we were called right and i'm not saying don't follow orders but if you if you see they need to help picking something up go do it because people are going to appreciate that i'm not going to go sit on the side of you know, route 22 or wherever I go and just sit there and hope that I get to do something. There's a reason why I was there. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they need us. Um, so I, I like, I really do enjoy talking to people and seeing what their experiences are. And I think that helps, again, gauge like where you are in, in your career and who you are as a person. And I like to take bits and pieces of everybody, right? Good and bad. And you try to make the best person that you can out of yourself. Absolutely. I guess if I explain Absolutely. that right. Again, no, I'm not a wordsmith, but
1: Oh you did just fine, my friend. That was that's good. Yeah. So uh I'll kinda roll into some of the not necessarily closing questions but the back half of my things. Uh anyone you know listening live, if you got a question you want to throw Craig's way or, or you know, for, for the both of us, type it in there but otherwise we're going to kind of move into uh some of these these ones to not necessarily close it out but we're going that way yeah. right so uh right now what would keep you what keeps you the most locked in most passionate to the fire service
0: oh man um that's tough i think the people that i work with every day um now, certainly the fire calls and the good calls is, is that was is what keeps most of us engaged because that's what you want to go do and you want to see. But for me, again, going back to being a young company officer, I want to do what I was given by Jim. And I've said that to a couple of guys I work with. How, how do I influence somebody like he influenced me and had the mindset and, and the, the loyalty to a person like that? And Jimmy did that by being a good person, right. And having the knowledge and taking the time to talk to you, he didn't care if you had one hour or one minute on the job, he talked to you, uh, and wanted to know who you are and and dissected you and wanted to figure out who you were as a person in a good way, not in a bad way, in a good way. He wanted to truly know who you were. And, um, I think and a lot of other guys that I work with are like that too. And, it really boils down to your people. You know, like I said, we all have bad days, myself included, right? You got stress, you're tired, you got stuff going on outside work. But to me, it's like how do I go to work and keep people stimulated? Right? How do I keep them into the job? And that's something I don't think I've really lost you know some days yeah you're like all right let's just take it you know you want to take it easy and have a mental break but i i go into work still thinking i hope we're you know we're going to catch a good call and we're going to make a difference right whether it's a fire or ems call um but i want to test my skills right and we don't get to do that often like we talked about so how do i keep people engaged in that and i think you do that through your actions or my actions for that matter uh and and how i look at things and how i portray myself right I'm not the perfect human being. Uh, I think I am better than what I used to be. Uh, I had a a nickname. Uh, I get upset and, you know, get mad and have short views. I try not to be like that anymore, right? Because it gets brought up. So people are obviously knowing it. And I don't want to be known like that, right? I want to have a good reputation. And I want to make a lot of friends along the way. And, um, yeah, I think it's the people and and certainly the calls. I think it's just, what are you going to get today? What's gonna show up you just never know right I love it
1: uh, i I feel you with uh um you mentioned sometimes you get angry right and and I and I totally feel you uh that that's one of uh, the things that I've been trying to work on the most right when you're so passionate about something it's so difficult to to edit yourself where you're not uh you know blowing blowing up on things oh yeah and I think that resonates with a lot of people right one one of my nicknames. And Antioch was tough Tanner, and if Chris is in here, he can make fun of me all day about that, but that was the joke. And, uh, I, and even, even now in Lake Zurich, I've, I've, I've definitely caught myself uh, trying to figure out how to be less angry about things and, and figure yeah. out how to – honestly, this has been
0: helping a ton. But uh, Yeah, and, and I think you surround yourself with, with good people, and, and I, I do care about every person I work with. Um, but we're not all going to be best friends, right? It just doesn't work out like that. We are all work for the same place, and we're all family. That I don't disagree with. But certain people you just build tighter relationships with. Um, uh, we're all very close. Like I said, we've a lot of us have known each other since I was 16. I've been raised at Linkshire Ruins Fire Department since I was 16 years old. So that's a lot of time I've been hanging around there. So these people I've known for a long time, right? So you're going to get into arguments. Um, things are not always perfect right some people just can't see the good sometimes and that can be frustrating um but you just try to keep a cool head right i had it i got a nickname too and that's nicholas that's my middle name so that when you got when i got tired or i was hungry that's what i turned into and, and i don't want to be known as it yeah you know, and guys say it now and i take it personal because i i'm trying to not be that anymore yeah. now there's a time where you have to be your other person right but that's not how you win people over and how you treat people, yeah. you know. And and that's what I've learned, in destination or this this journey, right? Um, be a good person. And, and when I'm gone, I want people to to remember me in a good way, in a good light. And like, man, I wish that guy was still around. Or, yeah, man, I want. that guy. like how I look up to my mentors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I don't mean that to be like uh, self-centered or egotistical. No, it's but not. No self reflection's
1: you know? a good thing right like you gotta look at yourself and figure out what things you can always improve on that's 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 being uh a, a good person and and which translates to being a good firefighter right
0: right absolutely uh
1: so kind of in that uh, uh one of the questions I like asking is if you've ever lost right we all have peaks and valleys for the most part right and have you ever lost uh that thing that grips you to the fire service and and how'd you get it back if you did
0: uh i I don't think that I've ever lost like my love or passion for the job. I think there were some tough days going into work just because either the assignment that you had, the people you worked with maybe, uh, so you didn't really look forward to it as much because some days I don't know about you, but my days fly by now. I, I It feels like you come in, in the morning, you have that morning meeting, you have your cup of coffee, and the next thing you know, you're eating dinner and it's 9 o'clock. It's like, all right, what happened? Now, there were days where it felt like it was that, and then it was 8.30 in the morning, and you're like, how am I going to get through this, right? But uh, another good one that Jimmy had that told us is you have to have a few bad days to appreciate a good one, right? You, you don't go home every day with a win, and that's okay, but those are the things that make you better as a person. But I, I think personally, I like I said, I don't think I've ever lost the love for the job. Now, you do get frustrated because you see maybe people don't have that same passion and they don't see the good in a lot of things. So that really kind of paints you a little bit and it's hard to work through that, but you just got to look at the positive and, and keep moving forward because we really don't have it that bad. No, you know, people, somebody out there's got it a lot worse than you do, you know, and that's hard to sometimes it's hard to remember. I get that, but you, you got to try to remember that. Right. And, uh, those people that you've lost or, you know, that means something to you. That's what keeps you going.
1: I love that quote, and I'm probably going to share that at some point. Of uh, you got to have a few bad days uh, to have a good one. I, I love that. Yep. One.
0: That's and so and an, and another good dream. one. Not to change the subject, but again, working for him, he'd tell you, if you mess up, it's all right because I've either done it twice or done it worse. So you you had that open um learning experience if you will where yeah you felt like you're under pressure because you're on probation but you knew that he wasn't going to bite your head off or or tear you a new one because he didn't do something right um and it's happened multiple times there's tons of good stories about that but um it just made you feel good you know yeah. and uh that that is a that's the way you want to learn right you don't want to come in like oh uh, watching over your shoulder or doing anything like that yeah i love
1: it uh how do you think we can so i might get rid of this question to be honest and i'm trying to spin it in a more positive way right so just from observations right there's a lot of people that don't have it right and, and have lost that that connection or passion towards the fire service and and there's and it's it's of all age groups it's of all experience levels uh and and it seems like I'm always theorizing why we're at that point where I think the fire service is kind of at a pivot where we need to, to, to you know, really figure out what our values are again here. But um, on that subject, right, uh, how do we repair that? How do we, as, as a fire service, not necessarily your own organization, but as a fire service, what are some things that we can do to try to combat that?
0: I think this. Uh, yes. Right. There's other um, things that are out there as far as uh, podcasts to keep you entertained. Um, But just I don't want to say old school. Right. But there's a little bit of that mentality like we talked about before, but in a new version. Right. We're we're always evolving. And I think. Mike Walch has said that last time, right? Like we don't go out on horse-drawn fire engines anymore. The fire service does improve and it does get better, right? Um, I can tell you, like I said, I get, there's a brand new 2022 ladder truck sitting there. It's not a horse. Um, things do improve and we need to keep doing that and, and bring up this job to a positive light, right? Like we're all struggling for people. Our organization needs to hire eight people, right? And we're looking at all different kinds of ways to hire. Um, for the first time in our uh, district's history, we'll be hiring a paramedic. that will be sent to the fire academy. We're also hiring right now an EMT firefighter who's gonna be sent to medic school. It's not a quick solution, but it's investment in the people And I would say that that's probably what caught me, right? And if you're investing in the people and showing that you care and that you're willing, the district or the department's putting their neck out there to train you and to to have you work there, it's also the culture and the people, but it's also showing that whatever we give you, if you take it, you'll succeed and we're going to get you there, right? And that's what we're doing right now. And that's what was done for me. I took the full, uh, sorry, I graduated. I went to the fire academy. Went to EMT school. They paid for it after I passed by front of the money. I went to paramedic school. I front of the money I passed, they reimbursed it. I took the full time test and I stayed. You know, so um and, and, and everything else that came along with that that I'm probably missing. But I think that we need to keep doing that and have a little bit of that old school culture, but in a new way, if that makes sense, you know. Um and to keep people engaged, like you said, we you have to go to training. You have to like the job. I think some people, obviously, are going to be way more into it, right? Like there's going to be darts like us that like it way more. Sure thing. But I think you need to try to keep passing it on to the new people, right? And and it's okay that they don't know that uh, how to start a saw. That's all right. I, I, you know, I hear people say, well, they don't know what a, a Phillips or a regular screwdriver is. All right, well, that's all right. Maybe they never had the opportunity. But if they have the heart to want to learn, that's a totally different story, right? If, if the guy doesn't know, or, or gal, sorry, I, I, it's okay.
1: Um,
0: it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Maybe they don't know how to change the oil on something, but if they have the desire and the want to do it, that's the kind of person that I want to work with because you, you can show them anything in the fire service then, and EMS, right? And you can mold them to, to the people that they should be or that you want them to be, right, and, and show them the correct way.
1: Yeah, I hear that they don't know how to start a saw thing. Not like frequently in my job, but that, that like that's everywhere, right? Oh, you know, people don't know how to start a saw. Like, well, are we start like, you know, maybe maybe make sure that the person's a good person, right? Like, right. what's more important? You could teach them how to start a saw. Like, maybe look at the thing that's really important and yeah,
0: it's such and I think so. I was you took the words right out of my mouth. That that's not a them problem. That's a you problem, yeah. right? If the person that has the heart is there, but they're not learning or they're not improving, that's on the crew and that company officer, right? It's very easy to go into work and be for yourself, but to have that selfless type mindset, right? And, and we all have those days where you got to get your own things done or sure. you know, you, you got to separate. I get that. But over the majority of the time, it, it should be group-based. Like, guys give me a hard time all the time. Like, I'll work other shifts and they'll be like, geez, can't you just leave us alone? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't like to be by myself. I like being with the group. Like, It's not me like watching, making sure you're doing what you're doing. I just don't want to be by myself. I like the group interaction because it generates conversation. And sometimes a conversation goes way off where it shouldn't. But most of the time, it's good conversation, right? Like you go down to your training ground and you throw a ladder. What does that turn into? Three hours of training. Then it's forcible entry. Then we're pulling this off and we're doing that. Like, That is how it's supposed to be in my opinion, and that's how I was raised and was shown, you know, when I started. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, so we got, and, and nothing, nothing, I'm not knocking anyone for going to bed early uh, to a certain extent, right? And, and I'm definitely not here to dump my purse about, my own organization because there's obviously there's lots of great things with my organization but a lot of guys go to bed at like eight or nine o'clock every single night and and i i mean i got young kids so i try to take advantage of an opportunity to sleep for sure but i was on shift last night and we were up till 11 o'clock just bullshitting we had a full house which never happens for us we had an engine or we had our squad and an ambulance crew and and our battalion chief and all six of us were out on the bay floor just bullshitting till 11 yeah. and it was amazing i it doesn't happen that often anymore
0: and, and as you're saying these things are popping into my head right and, and it's like okay so i was molded by the people that brought me in and that's what we used to do down at 52 we would sit down in front of station 52 until two o'clock in the morning and we would sit out there smoke cigar whatever play bags we talk about how much gold there is on the face of the earth we talk about the fire service we talk about our engine like it was just we were always together, and you were talking, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you know? And yeah. then you felt yeah. like a pile of garbage the next morning. And I did it last night, same thing. I stayed up talking until 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, I paid for it because you go out a couple of times, and then
1: I you're I paid trash. for it, too. But,
0: <laughs> but to me, I don't want to lose that conversation. I'd rather stay up and have that conversation and see where that goes and see what it generates because more than likely you're going to take something out of it. Now, we don't do it every night, but I am certainly not an early-to-go-to-bed kind of guy. I like staying up and hanging out, and eventually, yeah, I probably should go to bed a lot earlier. That's one thing I could probably improve, but um majority of us, we like to stay up, and we get picked on it, right? They're like, oh, you guys stay up way too late, and all right, well, that's my choice, not yours. So you can go to bed at 7 if that's what you wish. I just choose not to. <laughs> uh,
1: it's, yeah, it's one of those things that... That's unfiltered. Our time, right? Like during the day, you get your lunch, right? But there's still administration calling. You still got this going on. The battalion chiefs need you to go do something after lunch, and then your downtime. Well, you're gonna work out, and then you got to cook dinner, and then you got to do dinner, and then you got to clean up after dinner. Uh, But like, there's that sweet spot where there's absolutely nothing. No one expects anything out of you. And those are were some of the best conversations I uh, happen more so than the morning coffee, more so than yeah. the, the lunch or t- dinner table.
0: Absolutely. And you can learn so much. Even the, the new people that come in, they, they teach me a lot, right? Not only do they keep you on your toes because you have to know what you're talking about, right, when you're going through the rig or you're teaching about the district. That keeps you fresh. But they also bring culture, too. And we had a group of guys that got hired and our district, we never had a grocery store. Okay. And we couldn't go out of district to go shopping. So the first thing that came in was Costco. Well, when you're shopping for two guys, is Costco realistic? You guys know. Then we got, uh, finally got a grocery store, right? So guys would either bring food in, that's how we used to do it. Or if you didn't, well, I guess we're going to the gas station, McDonald's, whatever it was. And we had a group of guys that came in uh, two years ago, and we started eating lunch together now. Right? Now we would eat lunch together, but we'd bring our own stuff. And then it was like, all right, we're gonna make uh, BLTs with eggs on it, right? And we're gonna eat that together. And then we're gonna eat dinner together, right? And and that's very important because we all go our separate ways because we have different responsibilities. But at least at that time, we should come together and say, hey, what's going on with your kids? You know, what's going on at home? What's going on here? Right? That's a very important time. To spend together yeah
1: that is one thing we absolutely do right at my department is lunch and dinner you're cooking together and you're eating together yeah. and you're shopping together and and if and and if a guy's like well i'm thinking about bringing my own thing because i'm trying to be healthy like it's always met with well whatever we'll just eat something healthy like what's your diet
0: we'll figure it out yeah like, oh and there's is- there's definitely going to be some ribbon in there right like i I like I said I work with Mikey he's a vegetarian so he gets ripped nonstop yeah. right <laughs> but we make it work and one thing that we introduced that within the last couple of weeks is every Friday night is homemade pizza night now so we're making our own dough and we're making our own pizzas and it and it's fun right it it it's uh. You know, But it means a lot, and we look forward to the next Friday shift because that's when we make pizza. And then, of course, I get made fun of because they tell me, oh, you can only eat pizza on Fridays. I eat it every night of the week. But Friday, we have to save it because that's special, right? You you wait for the rest of the guys, and we make our pizza. Yeah, Chris Reynolds so. was saying it's team building, right? And 100%, yeah, 100%. it is Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I was a guy that would rather clean the toilets or fix your car than cook food. But they got <laughs> me in there, and now I'm throwing pies up in the air, hand-tossed. You know, it's it's fun. And so sometimes you got to do things that you don't want to, right? And in silly things like that lead to bigger things Absolutely. that you can find.
1: Absolutely. So moving on, next question here. Uh, so, uh, who, who best personifies the firefighter to you? And it can be who you've worked with, who you work with, Outside of of who you work with, right? Even just inspirational leaders of the fire service, who best personifies the firefighter?
0: Wow, that's um, that's, that's a, a tough one. That's not a softball question. It's that's the big <laughs> league. Think. Wow, yeah. Um, I think there there's a lot of guys that I work with that um, on a daily basis that do show that right and we're not again we're not all perfect people but we can change and if we work together as a group we can do that right and we keep each other in check and we try to make ourselves better um obviously i've said it multiple times and i think people can figure it out but jim carney to me and i'm very biased i know um it's okay he, he definitely uh in life and in the fire service was that person you know, um, there was many times we'd go up there and I'd just hang out and he drink some beers. His favorite was Cowboy Cold Bush. So Warm Bush or Bush Light. I didn't care for that, but guess what? If he was doing it, damn it, I was doing it too. Um, and we just say, you call it a brain eraser, you know, and you sit there and we just talk about anything, right? Life in general, uh, the fire service, mainly fishing. Uh, but then at work, he was... Uh, top-notch, you know, and he was a guy that everybody wanted to work with, and I think a lot of what I have in the fire service is because of him, and a lot of other people too, and that's why I don't want to get too crazy on names, uh, but I know the other guys that I would say their names would agree with me, and they'd be saying the same thing about him, Um, and it was just silly things, right, like we are not a busy district compared to others, but when we were down at 52, our joke was we were going to be busier than Niles Engine 2. Right? Never happened. Um, but that was <laughs> the joke on the shift. Um, and he had a a liking. We we all took a liking to North Main's battalion chief, Mike Fox. And we never met the guy. I, I at that time I couldn't tell you who he was when he walked through the door, but we just liked the way that he talked on the radio and it's like it's a guy I, I want to work with, right? And so moving further down the road um, when Jim passed away, I reached out to Chief Fox and he came to the wake and came and opened the door and one of our guys said, hey, Chief, uh, how are you doing, First Battalion? He came up to us and said, I don't know what the heck you guys are doing here, but you're doing something right. And I guess my point to that is you make relationships in the weirdest ways. We listened to what he was saying on the radio because we liked the way he talked on the radio and he sounded confident in what he was doing. Um, since then I've I tried to keep a little bit of a relationship with him but when I called and told him about Jim he he cried on the phone you know and we didn't know each other other than airwaves that's what was the connection right um, and that is very special so I think that's why I'm saying you need to make as many relationships as you can and I've been very fortunate to do that in all the extracurriculars that I do the fire department fleet uh, SRT task force um, you make a lot of good friendships and relationships you know and and those are very important and there's a lot of guys i look up to that's awesome yeah
1: all right last question here uh what's the most important element for having a long and dedicated career in the fire service
0: (sighs) man i've been dreading this one too because i've I've heard them asked before it's a tough one um I think, you know, uh, it was mentioned previously that you have to have the the balance, right? I'm the worst example of somebody to say you need to know when to shut work off um, because I don't think I ever do. And that's not just in the fire service, but working other jobs. Um, But family is very important. I am fortunate that I have a family that was fire service related. So my wife is understanding and knows what the job is and but with that comes uh i can't say oh we had five rollovers the night before and i was up all night sometimes because she knows um but i think family is very important and when we try to do that in the in our department i think and amongst our group of friends our wives uh, hang out when we're working our kids play together we try to get together uh and maintain that even though it, we're not at work we're still maintaining a bond and, and a friendship um, because we have been together for so long, but we've also had people that filtered in that are new, right, Our new hires, and, and they've worked their way into their family. Uh, we have two new guys that started that my daughters both love and adore, right? Like, they're, that's their buddies, right? Like those are their big brothers, um, and those are special people to them. So I think having the mix of work and outside in the family is, is very important, but I think you just have to keep, the passion for the job, right? At some point, you're going to get there and you're going to retire. I hear a lot of guys say, oh, I can't wait to retire. I can't wait to retire. Um, For me, I still have a ways to go, uh, but that's a scary day for me because if you really are involved and you really care and you love your district and you love the people you work with and you love the job, that's a scary day. Now, I'm looking forward to hopefully retiring one day, but I'm not ready to do that right now, and so therefore, you should give the best effort you can now and, and... Um, my example is that there's guys that got a long time to go and they're saying, I want to go. Well, then maybe it's time that you should go, right? Because if that's your mentality, then that's probably not the best, right? Why here anyway? Exactly. And there's a lot of our friends that didn't get that chance, right? Um, And they worked hard and and you don't wish it away, right? And that day would be very, that's going to be a tough day. I can tell you that right now. Uh, I don't wish that right now, I, you know, myself. I, I wanna enjoy what I'm doing. I'm having the most fun I've had in the fire service right now. Um not to say it wasn't fun before, but right now it's probably the most fun I've I've had out of my career so far and it's only getting better That's as awesome, far as man. I can see. Yep. That's awesome. I think that answered the question.
1: Yeah. Uh I, But it's, I would but it's say my show, right? So my answer is always right. Your show, yeah, exactly. This is your thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh Yeah. I'm just reading real quick, so uh can't wait to retire is not as bad as uh taking our uh, our kids out of of uh, a service career that kills me. Uh chief, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I'm not sure I fully understand the statement, but I would love to elaborate on that if it's possible. But either way, uh, if he doesn't get back,
0: who was that? Uh, Lighting. Light. Light. Lighting. Oh, okay. I
1: I, yeah. I see it here and there. Like the, it's a catch twenty two, right? Like uh, my department has got a ton of people at that part of retirement, and some are like, we can't wait for you to retire, so you don't get to tell us. But like, there are other ones where it it is like a. Um, it's it's not like a they're ready to hang them up kind of thing but they're ready to retire if that makes sense like
0: yeah and and, and trust me i i have respect for guys that are up there i'm not knocking retirement that was of not course my, no no my, i know you're not I know personally not. that's my my thought right now right and, and it's going to change it's like it did for me when i back in 2010 or 11 12 t- today but I do have a lot of respect for guys that do have time in a job because I don't know what it's like to be 50 years old or 55 years old going out on ambulance calls, right? Yeah. Like, I'm 30 – I'll be 33 next month, and I hurt, right, um, sometimes. So what's it like when I got 20 more years on? I hope there's going to be some kid that's going to cut me some slack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh I might mentally still be there. I might be a little slower, but I still want to have my head in the game. And if that's the case, I'll stick around, you know, yeah. and yeah. I think that's how it should be. But if you're checked out, then, you know, maybe it's just time to go and enjoy yourself and, and open it up for another new person that's going to have the the ability to fill that void one day and, and grow and, and be a good employee and a good firefighter.
1: I think everyone, whether you're whether you're locked in or not, at least from what I, and, and I'm getting to see it all the time, right? Cause there's so many people retiring uh, where I work is, is even, even the guy that's like, yeah, I'm ready to get out of here. I've dealt with whatever crap and I'm done. And then they retire and, and they immediately miss it and they yep. miss the people. Right. And, and Chris Reynolds brought up a point here, of staying connected with people when you retire, like uh, that, that's absolutely something, but that's a two way street, right? For, for us that are still working, to reach right. back out to those guys and, hey, how are you, hey, how you doing? What, how, how's your retirement? How's Wisconsin right. treating you? Is it snowing? Yep. Right? Like, little things like that to, to reconnect those guys, because uh, at least from what I've gathered informally, is, as guys have left, uh, that's the one thing they've said. Or we have a bunch of people on injury that are, are up there in age and could retire, and they're going to go out being hurt for the last year so they're not around yep. people
0: and and i think that's important and i'm i'm guilty um you you know we should i should do a better job or we should all do a better job you got somebody that's on an injury shoot them a text say hello see how they're doing right like they didn't just disappear um but i get life gets in the way you get busy but that's something i think everybody could do because if i was off on injury nobody called me i'd be like wow i guess i suck you know like what, what are they thinking and i get life moves forward but just try to keep in contact and i agree you know and uh Chief Reynolds, I work with his son every day. He was uh, battalion chief in countryside when I had a short stint there. Um, but even though maybe we don't keep in contact, yes, I'll ask Tyler, hey, how's your dad doing? You know, it, it's it's there, you know. Um, but we could all do a better job of picking up the phone or shooting a text. And I will say that with I'm the worst at answering my phone and text messages, right? So I'm not trying to be a hypocrite and talk out of both sides of my mouth. No, it's um, but <laughs> I get it. But it is important, you know, and and most of the time you end up in a thirty minute conversation, forty five minute conversation, and and it was great, yeah. you know. Uh, my my lieutenant
1: uh, and mentor friend, I mean, he he's guided me in so many ways, and uh, he he's always has these knowledge <clears throat> little drops. And one was, if you're thinking about picking up the phone, pick up the fucking phone. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's it, that it, it said. Perfectly. Right. Proper English. like That makes perfect sense. Wow. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think, too, in, in the fire service, it's good to have friends that are outside the fire service, too. Um, I have friends that are in the trades. Um, and so that's a whole different perspective. Right. And I think if you if you work another job like that, it's good perspective for the firehouse because it shows you what hard work can be and how fortunate we are. Um, and a hard day at the firehouse really probably isn't that hard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they should all be fun days, and I'm not saying that we don't put in effort and we don't work hard. That, that's not my point. Um, the point is it's good to have a, a, a well-rounded outside view, I think, and that's something I've tried to do here recently, um, and, and to make yourself better, right? Uh, the fire service, we don't really work a secondary employment anymore because there's not really a need but I think it's important, right, because whatever you do on the outside um, helps you back at work, right, whether it's building construction or whatever, it, it helps you. That certainly helps you the most, but it, that's important. You know, that, It's not like how that was back in the day, right? They guys had to work secondary jobs, um, but I think it's important, too. Uh, Vitaly says you're pushing him into
1: retirement because of the vegetarian abuse. So
0: how is he listening right now? He's on the plane. I have to go pick him up at 11:15. I don't, he don't know. Must have free I mean, Wi-Fi. He's, doing he's always Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm pushing him into retire. I'm trying to keep him from retiring because <laughs> he's not going anywhere until I retire. Uh, that, you, that you'll get,
1: a, uh, I should announce, you'll get your chance to harass him I was talking to him today about him coming on at some point so. Oh good Cause cause I, You I, could, be could be on my, the other foot and you could jam him up Well, he one.
0: was a little butthurt when he found out that I got asked before him So.
1: <laughs> I haven't known him anywhere near as long as, as I've known you uh, 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 <laughs> Vitaly and I, the only I mean, we've, we've met uh, on a couple occasions Him and I went to instructor together But I don't even know if we really talked that much When we were instructor one together but we'll save that. We'll leave some meat on the bone for for, yeah. for, for talking to him. But
0: yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, he's got Wi-Fi. He's
0: he's, he's he got does John have the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah. It, see, you're always in the know, right? He got the tech. Yeah. Little does he know, he probably should have got the Uber. without what I'm going to charge you. <laughs>
1: Uh, on, on the subject too of future people, I got coming up. Um, I've got uh, Kevin Traz, um, He's coming on. I think next week or the week following. And then I'm going to FDIC, and then I'm, I'm going to try to to make it back to some other people. But back to you, Craig. This was awesome. This this will not
0: be our last talk. I would hope. And uh, yeah, we'll come back on. It, it's about funny. <laughs> yeah, like we talked. It was. I was nervous, but it's it's fun. And, and there's so many other things that just come to mind i figure, oh i'm not gonna have anything to talk about for 15 minutes you know uh but it's been been fun uh i appreciate it and i was shocked to be asked so i I really appreciate the the chance to get on and and talk a little bit and um obviously it it was a lot of fun and we'll keep in contact and uh keep making relationships i think that's that's real important
1: uh, thank you for sharing, you know your perspective, and then your your stories about uh, Carney. I mean, I really appreciate you talking about that. I, there, it was really great to to hear about that aspect yeah. of yeah,
0: yeah, it you know, and like i said those those are the things that make you um as a as a better person and and one story, if I may, absolutely uh, before I go, um after Jim's funeral and everything, I took one shift off. And I came back December 27th, 2017. And that day we caught a, a first in fire. I was an acting officer and Mark Amor was driving me in squad 51. And, uh, it was just, it worked out just to be that we would be first in that part of the town because the station was a jump company down there. They were gone and we ended up catching a first in fire. And I remember driving down the road uh, over in the right seat talking. I'm like, Oh, I, you know, like it, this is happening, right? Like I'm, this is the real deal, right? Or whatever. And Mark looks over and he goes, Hey kid, relax. You know what you're doing. Right. And that didn't get said very often. So when that came across, it was like, oh, "That means something. Right. And then you fast forward and both those guys are gone. You know, it, it's, uh, that, that'll always be a special story to me. Um, and one that I like to share, you know, um, because you just never know who's going to be with you, you know, things happen and, and especially your friends. Uh, Mark and I weren't the best of friends, but we were brothers, right? And uh, we worked together. I didn't have the same relationship that I had with him that I did with Jim, Uh, but I will tell you that that was a tough day uh, when we lost Mark too, and I know a lot of other guys were a lot closer than I was, so I I could only imagine how they felt. Uh, But it, it was just weird how it worked out that, you know, again, we don't get very many fires, but the first day I come back, after jim's thing and you know just it was kind of neat you know not to wish that on anybody but it was pretty special to me so
1: yeah thank you for listening check us out on firefighters.com, facebook instagram spotify and apple podcasts remember excellence may be a rarity but you are not alone